You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is your host, Chris D'Antuano with Currency Cloud. And today, I'm happy to have the guys from Xantos on today. We have Chuck Arakwe and Luis Ortiz. Guys, welcome. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having us. Yep. Yeah, it's good to have you on. We're excited to bring you on. And I think at the time of the recording, we're a few weeks out from your launch of your U.S. product. But I think when the recording comes out, it'll be launched. So... A future congratulations for your launch. <laughs> Thank you. It was yeah. huge. You know, no one could have predicted numbers like these. No, you know, even the experts. Yeah, you couldn't see that that hockey stick already in a couple of weeks, huh? So, it's, uh, <laughs> congratulations on that. Um, so, for for our listeners, just to, to kick things off, if you uh, you know, Lewis, starting with you, if you can give a background about yourself, and we'll, then we'll kick it over to Chuck and see what you guys are doing over at Xantos. Yeah, sure. So, uh, Lord Tees, I. Uh, Went to Duke University for my undergrad. I spent seven years uh, in the Army. The majority of that time, I was flying Blackhawks as a medevac pilot. And then I came to UT to get my MBA, and that's where I met Chuck. And uh, we got to spend a lot of formulative uh, experiences there. Uh, We were on the investment fund there together. Uh, We are in uh, Britt Harris's Titans of Investing class. And and so a lot of uh, really great bonding time. We're also in the consortium together. So it was a really great opportunity. And kind of through that, that's, that's how I met Chuck, and that's how we got uh, started on this adventure. Uh, Chuck, you want to go ahead? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, Chuck Arakwa here. Uh, you know, Lou already gave you some background as to how we met and connected. Uh, behind the scenes, the, uh, I'm a computer engineer by by trade, and uh, I will spend about a decade in the field, Intel, Qualcomm, Samsung, uh, big tech firms. But one of the key things that we started Xantos last was really out of personal frustration for lack of quality investment advisory services, especially for someone like myself who's starting rock bottom immigrant came to this country, uh, low financial literacy, and then built it up. Uh, the existing solutions uh, were insufficient, and we thought, okay, we can do better. And uh, that's how we uh, built our Xantos Labs uh, today. I left the engineering world, went to do my MBA to really refine my skills uh, in investment manage- management services. And the product we have today is something that's been in MVP during the time that we were in school. And now we're really excited to launch it and make it available for not just the U.S. market, but uh, investors and uh, break the barriers globally. So let, let, let's give that, I guess, uh, you know, 30 second elevator pitch. What, what is Xantos Labs? Let's just give that for our listeners here. Absolutely. So Xantos Labs, uh, we are an investment advisor. We, we're a world-class investment manager for the next generation of investors. We really build manage and explain investment portfolios to every for everyday folks perfect yeah so obviously you know i guess to to date um i guess when you know covid hit was a skyrocketed into the industry but i'd imagine you guys saw an opportunity before that could you talk about what i guess you saw as problems in the market that didn't exist where you you know you felt that a solution was was viable for you to pursue yeah absolutely um you know you think about the investment solutions that are, are kind of fracked out into in, in multiple regions. One, uh, the Warren Buffett of the world will tell you, hey, you can just invest in an S&P 500 instead of uh, picking an advisor. That makes sense, but, uh, you know, because a lot of advisors don't really deliver the return of value you pay them to. But the challenge you have in that is that you 
can't really expect to get ahead by being average, right? Um, so you need someone to deliver better performance for you than the average market uh, so that you can actually win, especially for people starting so on the bottom. The, the second bracket that you get then is people seeking out better than average investors, investment opportunities, go to hedge funds and then, and, you know, go to uh, wealth management firms. And they have two tiers of solutions from Wall Street. You have the typical ETF mutual funds that generally are performed. You have the generic bracket of robot advisors that also have been out, uh, on the uh, underperform and then uh, have been underperforming. And then you uh, uh, also have, uh, you know, if you come into a wealth management shop, if you have this much money, they open this much buffet for you. If you have this uh, amount, they, you know, they treat you a certain way. So we thought about it. How do we provide premium investment experience for someone who doesn't have it? someone, you know, Gen Z millennials that don't have a lot of principle and how do we leverage technology uh, to really do that? And that's what uh, gave birth to Zentos Labs today. And so essentially, you know, I think a lot of folks are familiar with, you know, Robinhood and, and the likes of that. And then you have the other, uh, you know, side of it as the, the institutional investment. So you guys are essentially sitting right in that sweet spot in that middle. Is that, is that correct? That's right. That's right. So Robinhood allows you to do self-directed trades. Uh, you know, it's sort of like you don't do, we see it as, you know, you can trade for yourself. You can try and see if you can, but most people don't, don't have success in that. You know, it's, I can become a dentist <laughs> and fix my own tooth. So uh, we are an advisor and we provide, we should provide, uh, you know, better than average long-term returns uh, for bracket of investors that typically don't have access to those uh, services. Yeah. And there's, and there's, you know, nothing against, uh, you know, managing uh, your own, your own money, but, uh, you know, typically people might be able to make, you know, one good bet, two good bets, you know, you know and they, they think, okay, I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> but in reality, there, there's no kind of attention paid to like kind of a, the, the systematic nature that you need to manage a, a portfolio across a portfolio. And so managing that, uh, you know, risk across the selections that you make, you know, if you're entirely in, you know, a certain tech niche, you, you might be, you know, hurting, uh, it, it, you know, when the market turns against you. And so that's something that, you know, individual investors do have a di- more difficult time of. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. And, you know, we talked about this prior to getting on, but, it, you know, I, I'm sort of comparing this to kind of like what the challenger banks have done over the last five to, to six years of starting out with the specific un, unbanked or lower banked uh, individuals with someone like Chime or, or Varo, and now you're starting to really break down affinities to different wealth classes and uh, different ethnicities and things like that. So it seems like investments kind of going in that direction now um, in, in really going to a segmented crowd uh, a little bit uh, easier, which is it's beneficial for everybody. You get that, that, that sweet service um, from each type of customer, I guess. I guess move, moving forward a little bit, so you guys saw the problem, you started to design, you know, the, the solution for the problem. Now, now, how do you execute that? I mean, to say you just want to spin on a brokerage, you know, maybe five years ago, may not be the easiest thing. So, um, you know, how, how are you guys, how do you, do, how do you do that? How do you go about starting out your own, you know, service and combining with the technology and things like that and getting obviously the regulatory backbones and all, all of that hard stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I, I give you some history, really some context to help put it in play. 
Um, the idea of Zanzos Labs started several years ago. In fact, the solutions that we have today, uh, we have five years plus of record history. But investment advice is not something that you rush out a, a product tomorrow and then you hope it works. Things take time. So uh, it took us about two years. There are two partners of the firm uh, that were, uh, you know, PhD economists and uh, uh, is a lead engineer at Autotech. But engineers, uh, economics came together, put their head in mind and said, how do we solve this challenge of investing? And we took a first principles approach to really resolving that, coming to a solution from a bottom up. You know, investing is really knowing what to invest, knowing how much to invest in it, and then also balancing when to be aggressive and, and, and not be and, be and be conservative. So we built our solutions for two years. Uh, took three years to try with our own money before bringing it into market, uh, what we have today with the MVP platform, right? And so I think that's one of the key things you want to see is, uh, is a firm that has employed rigor and not rushed to market with a solution. But, you know, that's exactly what we have today. And and so I mean, executing that as far as a regulatory standpoint, do you have to connect into let's say a, like a financial partner? Do you use a regulated you know? Yeah. Partner? So there, so there, there, there are several third party uh, party for investment advisors. You you have, to, you have a bucket of assets with some custodian somewhere or a broker dealer somewhere that allows you to do your brokerage services. Oh, yeah, there. Yeah, okay, there it is. Yeah. So, we rely on our Parker. Our Parker came out of YC. It's been a great team, exceptional. In fact, I had a first call with the CEO, uh, Yoshi, uh, 2019, uh, talking about we want to use their technology, but this is the things that we need. And they move fast, really. You know, recently, they launched the Broker API solutions, which is what our platform is built on, um, that allows us to leverage your broker and custodian services. This is where clients keep the money. We don't, you know, people don't send money to us. But... It is the APIification of uh, the investment advisory services that allows us to then make trades and affect investment advice to those clients without them really having to do much or coming into an office and having, you know, uh, uh, they all pick up the phone and talk, talk to your advisor as a start of, start of approach. So we rely on several third party uh, and Apaco is one of them. Plaid is another one in the United States to really link, allow users to seamlessly link their bank account and uh, deposit money and transfer money to the custodian. And, you know, in the investment advisory space, a lot of things are regulated. We're SEC registered today. Um, so is uh, our Parker and even the SIPC in short and if you remember. So there's a lot of things moving wells, but uh, it's really about bringing the right uh, ingredients and cooking well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always about selecting the right ecosystem and understanding, you know, that the players in it is always a, it's a tough task in the beginning. Uh, to see how deep it can actually go uh, with how many partners are in play. So I do want to talk about a little bit about, you know, the, the, the product itself when you're bringing it to market. So obviously, you know, cre- creating it through the technology, you, you've got to go out and get some serious data points. Could you talk a little bit about how, I guess, not giving away your secret sauce, but, uh, you know, d- just how you went about, like, orchestrating your, your algorithms to be able to get to some sort of user experience that are beneficial to your customers and, and where you see the value in that side of it. Yeah, I'll touch on some of it and I'll pass it over to Lou to uh, go into detail on some aspects of it. The, as I mentioned initially, investment 
being a successful investor over the long term really requires you to one know what to invest, to know how much of your capital to allocate to each one, and then three markets are not perfect. Every once in a while, there's a recession, so being able to uh, balance when to be aggressive and conservative also comes uh, uh, plays a long way. That's you know market time in the market or of timing, that's the wrong word, but understanding market cycles, right? For us, we employ, a, for number one, which is really understanding what to invest, we employ a fundamental analysis approach. We look at big macro trends that, you know, think about uh, cloud computing versus companies having servers on sites. Think about electric cars versus traditional internal combustion engine, right? Uh, these big macro trends that are happening. And we identify companies within that space that we want to invest in. But that's challenge number one. Challenge number two then becomes, okay, you have a bracket of companies. We prefer concentrate, uh, concentrated portfolios, not diversifying for diversification's sake, right? Um, Buffett famously said that's a fool's errors is a, uh, something against ignorance, right? Um, but so we, we concentrate on high conviction picks, and then we have, over time, built an algorithm that allows us to systematically decide how much to invest on each of those ones. And to build this algorithm, the way we really came about to do it is we, we want to focus on minimizing downside risk. And that is the probability, we want to minimize the probability that $100 becomes 50 tomorrow. So in deciding our allocations uh, factors, those are the key elements that we look for, is what is the optimal weighting in the portfolio? that minimizes downside risk. And we then factor that in with the third element, which is how aggressive or conservative do we want to be. But I'll pass it over now to Lou. Uh, that's, you know, summarizes in, in, in an essence what we do, but I'll pass it over to Lou to see if there's anything I missed that he wants to add. No, yeah, I, I mean, that's, uh, check, check basically hit it on the head. I, I, I think, you know, we... Um, do, you know, we learned a lot about you know the specific analysis of of names that we might put into the portfolio, and uh, you know while we were at school, and so we think that that's something that you know we've developed some expertise in, and and then you know beyond that, um, we think that you know that piece that I talked about earlier, where you're actually deciding, okay, how much, how, how big, uh, you know, a slice are we going to put of this piece of pie onto the plate? How much of this and how much of that? And so, uh, in order to do that, that's you know kind of, kind of a complex question, and 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 so you know rather than kind of rely on like a rule of thumb, kind of twenty ah, percent of the portfolio sounds good. We you know we rely on uh, on you know really rigorously back tested algorithms that say kind of okay. Um, you know, allocating it in this way is actually going to, you know, minimize your, your chance of having there be a large drawdown. Cause that's really what we're concerned about. You know, yeah. everyone's trying to replace Warren Buffett, but you know, he, he says that, you know, rule number one, never lose money. And then rule number two, you know, see number one. So we really, uh, we kind of live that, uh, in what we're doing and, and, and that's what we focus on, uh, at least from the systematic portfolio level perspective, uh, after we've selected the names. Yeah. And so do you see, I guess the adoption I guess, so the adoption that's happening with Robinhood now and those types of apps and the top, I guess I would say the, 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 the top layer of investing in that sense of it, of just getting your feet wet and trying to understand the market. I mean, that's where I see the, edu- the entry into the markets uh, in that sense of it. Do you feel like the influx there will start to, I guess, essentially get, you know, have those customers gradually educate to you guys if you think about how they move uh, to the market? Do you see that as the same? type of customer over, over time? 
uh, or do you just see you know those are always sit in different pockets in that sense of it? So I, I I think you know you can you can kind of hold two things in your mind at, at once. I, I think Robin Hood, who we've been talking about, uh, if you take a look at their S one, I think they definitely benefited from folks kind of being at home, being on their phone, and 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 having the chance to. For lack of a better term, do some do some gambling, <laughs> um, and that's 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 worked out very well for them. But I, I think you know people people are are very smart. Like, you know the, the average customer is is really particular, and they're really going to pay attention to kind of okay, how, what is this actually doing for me? And so I think people will kind of be able to separate, you know having a variant perception about a specific name and then going out and buying a little bit more so that they, they're a little bit more exposed to that. But I think that generally people also understand kind of conventional wisdom. You know, we've shifted so much to uh, passive management now. It's some giant, you know, percentage of the market that I think a lot of people are going to go ahead and, you know, uh, use uh, something like that. And I, I think like we talked about earlier, you know, I think we're kind of in the middle where it's, you know, uh, much more sophisticated kind of on a on a name by name analysis basis, and then also from a portfolio perspective, a lot more rigor uh, and attention to, to detail paid there. So I, I think there's there's absolutely you know, more than enough room for us to uh, you know exist in that space. Oh, definitely, yeah. And just coming from my personal experience using, uh, you know, my, uh, I guess personal apps, I guess in that sense of it, uh, for for just uh, entry entry into the market, and then moving more towards uh, larger asset classes and things like that. And I think just that graduation is, is uh, over time and the education in the market's just happening at, you know, at free will. So where, where, I guess for you guys, do you see your competitors? I would say, is it the, is it the asset man, the larger asset managers at, at, at banks? Is it, uh, you know, different, different other investing classes? Could you talk a little bit about how you, I guess, where you can pick apart, uh, I guess where you guys can acquire customers where others aren't moving at, at that pace of innovation. So traditionally you have the big bracket uh, wealth management firms that, you know, you have to have 5 million or more in assets before they look at you 50 that service the high net worth and ultra high net worth. Okay. Uh, that space is, is still there and that, that still exists. We can penetrate that space now through technology to some degree. Uh, for people that have no access to quality investment advice, uh, you now have a lot of commission-free brokerage uh, platforms like Robinhood that allow them to do the trade themselves. But there's a gap there in education. There's a gap in, in terms of people still need assistance, and we fit right in between. Um, in recent years, you've had you know uh, robot advisors kind of come in play, uh, Wealthfront, Betterment, and so on. They've worked hard to get as much assets on their platform as they can and cater to the different needs of the clients. But where they lose out on is on the performance, right? Over a comparable time period, and generally a good number of them are underperforming their uh, uh, target benchmark. And this is the thing that, you know, Warren Buffett warns you about. Right? Even if you're doing passive investment, just go do it in S&P. Most of them are not meeting that space anyways. Then, you know, in there was now a new niche coming out. Uh, you know, one competitor I really like what they've been doing is Titan Vest. Um, they, they've grown rapidly in the past couple of years and they came out of YC. They've really done a great job in being able to communicate to that target audience through technology and keep those uh, clients engaged. You know, you don't have to go into an office anymore. You can just reach out to an advisor. But some of the key things that we see that, makes us stand out is 
the history. We took time to build out our service, test it with our own capital, they, or, you know, all the, all the founders, and then make it available. We've taken time to understand, uh, and we're not building things on the fly and kind of experiment with, experiment on clients' money. Several com- competition, you know, they started with grabbing 13Fs, and now they're like, oh, okay, how about we try this? Oh, how about we try this? Oh, how about we try this? And you don't, that's not what you want from your financial advisor. Uh, in the investment space. The second aspect is really the quality of service. You know, we started this to break down barriers. Several competitors also started this to break down barriers, but they're not, they're now in certain barriers that says, oh, you have to have 10K to be in this particular new product, or you have to have 10K to reach out to a customer service. So, you know, if you email us, we might take based on your asset. That, is, that, that just doesn't make any sense to us. So quality of service in terms of performance, we have a great performance. And the top part is what everybody keeps forgetting. We are in a services industry. We are the best services or the best people in the services industry work in the background. And, you know, fintech technology really allows you to build an app. And, but you're getting too many emails every day from, you know, news emails, uh, this, or every day you're getting push notifications. You can deliver quality premium investment service while being in the background. And you don't need to kind of churn your, your clients for attention on a daily basis uh, just to deliver this uh, sort of quality of service, right? Um, and those are areas that we really work to differentiate ourselves. I'll give it an analogy to you go to the dentist's office and the dentist every day is testing you. Hey, come in. There's a new ultrasonic sensor. I want you to check it out. Or, you know, there's a new pop tester to clean your teeth. Like, it's, it's great. You're leveraging technology to increase your reach and build up your AUM. But people just want to, they pay you to manage their money, not to bug them and be in their face every day. So those are the areas that we see, you know, history, performance, quality of service, and really delivering that quality service or premium service while being in the background. That's what we deliver to our clients. Yeah, it's a really it's a really refreshing to hear that as the you know m- most of the fintechs uh, well, want to put a label on anything, but um, it's 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 all about getting you know in, in that in your face me- mentality and and really you kind of just want to see the results in, in your where you're at. I mean, obviously that's the most beneficial in that sense of it. So obviously, you guys are just launched in the U.S. You know what what what's next on the docket? You know, for you guys, are you guys looking to expand out uh, internationally, or is that um, you know somewhere you're looking at too? Yeah, absolutely. So, working with a top party brokerage and custodial uh, services, uh, our Parker team, uh, we are looking to launch in forty plus countries uh, a couple of weeks after our U.S. Uh, market launch, and we're really excited about that. The thing that you see is when you go on international market, it becomes a challenge. How do clients transfer money? How do you make that seamless, right? And that's where we looked at the landscape. If you trying to reach people in Latin America, their cross-border payment solutions for Latin America, that service is only Latin America. You look to APAC, there's only APAC. Or UK and EU, there's only that, right? Because the regulatory landscape is so complicated. And, you know, you look at Africa, maybe there's a few uh, floral wave that kind of comes in and services a couple of other regions there. And we wanted something that allows us to reach the so many countries that we're are going to be targeting and allow our clients to seamlessly transfer money in their local currency, get the best FS rate. And that's where currency cloud, you know, really comes in play. Um, so 
fintech solutions that makes it seamless for someone to get that premier investment advisory services while also being in the background is that's what we're, we're shooting for on a global scale, not just on one region or like, you know, if you want to break down the borders, break it down globally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And where, where, how do you guys strategically know where you want to go? Is there, you know, is there a certain metric or multiple metrics that you look for, for knowing exactly what countries you want to go to, or do you literally just want to expand as, as, as far wide as you can and bring the product globally? Yeah. So, I mean, we, we think, think about it from, you know, a couple of different perspectives. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, population sizes is, is attractive, but I think uh, you look at kind of the, the rates at which people are um, kind of, you know, lifting out out of um, you know poverty into the middle class and beyond. Uh, you know, are, are are those are the kind of people who are then starting to think, okay, you know, have kind of all the bases covered. Now, what's next? You know, you talked about, uh, and, and so it, that's really where they're starting to think, okay, how do I make my money make money for me? And and so we, we think that those are are kind of the the areas um, that that specifically you know we think we can do do best in. Obviously. Um, uh, check checking the guys know quite a few people in Nigeria, so that's going to be a huge target for us. Um, and we think that kind of you know establishing that as a, a, a kind of a beachhead for Africa, I think is, is going to be a, a great opportunity. But we also see um, opportunities, you know, in 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 the developed countries, you know, because we think that, like we said, our, our solution is still you know attractive for folks who are um, you know just like folks in the U.S. Yeah, I guess to. To, to close out here, it's just, just a question after some of our discussion here. Obviously, this is all to get money back into the U.S. to trade in the U.S. You know, investment market. Um, is there other markets that have interest to, to do this as well, like to bring, to bring foreign access into their, their domestic market for investing? Because there's quite a few apps um, that are starting to build into the, into the U.S. For, you know, from foreign country. Um, that Alpaca and DriveWells and other ones are, are looking at, you know, expanding to. But um, are there other markets that are looking at? I, I don't know, have you guys noticed that um, you have an engagement like the U.S. at, at all in, in regards to the public market? Yeah, so I'll, I'll break it down in two ways, from access to service and then the products itself, the, the companies I actually invest in. Yeah. What you've seen in the United States with the Robin Hoods of the world really opening the floodgates and really putting down pressure, price pressure on the commissions that were traditionally charged. Robin Hood did that and did that exceptionally well uh, in the United States. But internationally, there's some gaps to be closed there, right? And there's still high commission fees internationally. And we've seen a lot of firms like, you know, Go Trade, uh, Bamboo. Uh, in Nigeria, you know, kind of come in and try to close the access for self-directed trading for uh, individuals in those regions that have growing middle-class economies. So that's great. But the, 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 the next challenge you see is that, okay, the middle class is growing, but you still need to educate people as mm-hmm. to what they need to do. And that's where we uh, we, we, we come in play in terms of being able to have a, a global reach. So that's on the access to products and services that you can actually use that help you, you know, um, uh, manage your capital, grow your capital. The, the second aspect is from an investment standpoint, like, you know, the investment products that we have, a lot of companies uh, will focus their portfolio and might concentrate their portfolio on just companies in the U.S., 
in the U.S., right, or companies in Europe, or so on and so forth. We've done the analysis. We built a you know a, a back test. We can actually test this back, back you know you know historically you know, across different economic timelines. But we know what we see that works for us is that you know being geographically diversified, not just investing in U.S. You can also find companies in in Europe, in China, or in all these other markets that you can add to the portfolio and 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 achieve better investment outcomes, right? So from a product uh, or service standpoint, uh, that's also another way to think about it. Yes, the flow of capital or flow of service might be coming in the United States, but the opportunities for investment are, are, are really globally. Um, and, and those are the two things I really want to make sure that we distinguish. Yeah, I mean, to me, that just has two sides of opportunity that really is just endless to that aspect where you can get that customer acquisition to come back in, but then you can also dive deep into other countries as well to, to be able to you know, open up your services. Well, guys, it was a, it was a pleasure to have you on today. If uh, we have some listeners here that are interested in getting in touch with you, should they get to xantoslabs.com or what's the best way to get in touch with you guys? Check the app on the App Store, Google or Play Store, or go to our website, xantoslabs.com. There's a chat feature. Reach out to us. Our, our doors are open. We're fully transparent to our clients. Uh, but thank you so much, Chris, for having us. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on and uh, good luck with everything. We'll, we'll, we'll catch up again soon. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care. Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at currencycloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.